around the NFL podcast. Can't do any TikTok dances. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis. I come to you from a virtual room filled with some heroes. Greg Rosenthal, arms crisscrossed, looks like he's ready for a confrontation. And the great Patrick Claybon, pinch hitting for Mark Sessler, under the weather. The 10-day summer IL, I call it. How's everybody doing? Yeah, we uh, we send our, our thoughts out to Mark, who's not feeling well. He'll be back, you know, next next week at some point. We are back on the network next week. That's kind of like our hard deadline. This these are some in between weeks where we're we're inching our way back into the flow, but not not quite a full schedule. Next week, I feel like, is when we strap ourselves into the chair for about seven months. Claybon's yeah. been there though. Claybon's in a suit and tie right now, and it's going to be on NFL <laughs> Network. He hasn't really left the chair. Yeah, it's it's the same chair. I, I mean, I, I occasionally <laughs> go sit in a different chair, but um, but yeah, I, I hope Mark's doing all right. I know it's uh, you know, there's I just I just hope Mark's doing all right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all. Um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll get Mark back with us. Hopefully, next time we all get together. And um, yes, you know, we have taken a little bit more time off this summer. And uh, it's for a good reason, and we feel good about it, and we appreciate you, the listeners, not giving us too much shite about it, because uh, I know sometimes that can happen um, with listeners becoming wary of the podcasters not working as hard. We're still working as hard, but we're just getting a little bit of a, a blow in what's been a tumultuous last 18 months. Um, and on that note, I've been looking for someone, uh, and I really wish Mark was here for this, but... I was looking for someone that could perfectly encapsulate um, how we're feeling this time of year as we look ahead to another season of NFL football. And and we found it on Twitter uh, in my spirit animal, Alec Baldwin. Take it away, Alec. I try to take the summer off with my family. Try not to work so we can go out and go to the beach and have a good time. Because work is uh, sometimes long hours, crazy schedules, and so forth. So we try to have the summer be more um, available. Um, and during that time, I don't spend a lot of time uh, um, you know, dogging every news story. I only do the deep dive on something I think is interesting. I love I love me some uh Alec Baldwin. He's he is the most ridiculous person on earth right now in my opinion. Um and I like to spend the summer with my family. That's those are my thoughts. Yeah, I mean shout out to Alec Baldwin for having a family uh that he likes to <laughs> he likes to spend time with. I, I I do think right it's it's applicable to you know, guys who work really hard on a football podcast to take some time off away from a thing and caring about a game. Uh, I don't know how it applies to an actor, like recognizing <laughs> things that are happening on the planet. But yeah, you know, the best part and, of that, that dispatch yeah. was after he does that long run up explaining why he's staying off social media while he's on social media. He then um, says, but I do want to talk about uh, this big uh, story on Cobalt. Cobalt that's out there right now, and I'm sure you might know about that because in the world of Alec Baldwin, everyone that's watching Alec Baldwin has the same taste in New York Times think pieces and reporting as Alec Baldwin. It's a a perfect cycle of Baldwin, and I'm here for it. I just want to say. Mm. 
it has been a crazy um, last 18 months. But we're not, you know, even if next year is a pretty smooth 12 months, we're not going back to the old schedule. <laughs> we're not suddenly going to keep cranking through. This 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 summer, a little bit of a break is something uh, we're going to... We're gonna keep going, but this it, this this year especially. I mean, and here's the good news: uh, if you are getting a little restless at this point, we got a show for you today. Obviously, next week we're back to two shows a week, and the network show uh, returns. Uh, and then once we get to training camp, it's full go, and there is no uh, there are no uh, reverse gears in this tank. It's three shows a week <laughs> leading up to the season, four shows a week uh, once uh, week one kicks off, and we have the Thursday night. Uh, football mini pod so we have you covered thank you for standing with us uh big show coming up today the superstar club claybon you come in to pinch hit like shohei otani in the biggest of all spots and you just walk into um the superstar club episode of the around the nfl podcast pinch yourself buddy yeah i'm just gonna try to bring a, a fair amount of analysis and and perhaps criticism of the oh. club and its entrance and the decision that goes in uh, to both of those things, uh, because it's it's an institution, Dan. Uh, it is it is something that that should be criticized. It should be uh, held high as one of the preeminent uh, off season pieces uh, that that dot com has to offer. <laughs> Checks in the mail, Pat. <laughs> Um, yes, that's coming up, and uh, I think I've been doing it for like five years now. So uh, it is something of a tradition on the site, and I uh, look forward to uh, asking you guys how you feel about uh, my decisions this year. And yes, I do want that constructive criticism. It might even lead to a copy change. I, oh, you know, ooh, I'm not. You haven't I'm, filed yet. Okay. I, I have filed the the rough <laughs> copy uh, to Ali Bonpari and the original content gang, uh, but doesn't mean there can't be changes if I'm very wrong about something. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get caught up on the news. It's the teenager, Bukayo Saka, one of the youngest players ever to play in the European Championship. He's got a score here to keep England alive. And he doesn't! Oh. And Italy are champions of Europe! They do it in a shootout! Behind after two minutes, ahead after penalties, and England are foiled again. Oh, threats! Italy defeated England in extra time to claim the Euro 2020 final, even though it's 2021. Uh, they lost on penalty kicks 3-2. Crushing loss for England. Um, I watched the match. Because I get in, I get into these like big time things, especially um, with England involved. Um, and I went to a local bar, and it was so packed to the gills, boys, uh, that I was being denied entrance. And that's when a, a hero, an honorary hero, uh, tapped me on the shoulder. He was a man named Corey from San Diego, a Chargers fan and a huge fan of our show. And he invited me to sit at his table, filled with uh, England, native uh, people from England on, the, on his wife's side. So Corey and his lovely wife uh, had me at their table and watched the match. And it was just a bummer how it ended, uh, but it was exciting. And soccer is good, I must say. Soccer is good. I mean, cleared the bar. Congratulations to, uh, to football uh, for clearing <laughs> the Hanses bar. I mean, some U.K. listeners might, you know, 
take issue with you playing that moment. It'd be like me, you know, you know playing the Grand Slam from Game Seven of the 2004 ALCS. <laughs> you know, Red Sox Yankees, like right as right in the middle of like a totally different show. But what those you keep. UK people uh, don't understand is it, it's not all about you. We got Italian listeners too, and it was a great moment for those Italian listeners. So it, it's it's too bad. Um, that was a tough one. That was a tough this one. To watch. Even if you had nothing at stake, that was a tough one for my entire family to watch. You had nothing at stake whatsoever, and it's just like whichever team was going to lose that. That's brutal. Yeah, it's <laughs> the nature of of of, of PKs, right? Um, that it it makes it like that, and. Uh, it's something that I always say with regards to all, sometimes the ball just doesn't go in. Right. And we try to ascribe all these other things to like, Oh, what? Sometimes it just, it it doesn't go in. And that's, that's one of the things about sports. That's not rubbing it in, Greg. This is the news portion of the show. That was huge news. Um, And, you know, I, when they, when they got still felt like a knife in the chest to some people who are trying to get over it. I'm sure. I mean, this, this is just, this is the news, Greg. And this is part of the news. It was a big sports story. And when England beat Denmark in extra time to advance to the finals, um, I think I had a daddy had a couple uh, Tito's in him and I went on Twitter and, and I posted the English flag emoji. And that was a a total storm. Uh, we had a lot of England fans saying that they love me for it. And then a lot of people just filled with rage. And it really gave me a lot of uh, perspective on what's going on and where England fits in in the uh, the world of international soccer. They, they, <laughs> they seem like a team people love to watch suffer, kind of like the Cowboys in the NFL here. And it's been over 50 years since they've won a, a major tournament like like the Euro Cup. I and, saw a tweet uh, that uh, said they were the the Boston of Europe, which you know, in terms of sports fans, and that was like that's that's pretty good. That's going to stick in my head there. Yeah, and <laughs> and it's. I just want to say to all those people that were angry with me, people saying they're unfollowing me, not listening to the podcast anymore. First of all, <laughs> calm down, pull it together. Uh, second of all, you need to understand this. And a lot of people, especially there were Irish fans, getting on me because they know that I have Irish heritage, my mother's side, and Ireland and England. It's a tough sitch uh, over there. But you have to understand, like. We have a very good relationship with the English. Uh, they've always been. Everyone in that country has been exceedingly nice to us in this show. Uh, so that's why I was rooting for for the team. And it's unfortunate they didn't get it done. Because I feel like Italy's had plenty of glory. Uh, England was due, but uh, it didn't work out. Sorry, everybody. Italian fans, let us know you're out there. You know, there's got to be a few. All right, let's get to it. We'll start with... Um, Bad news for the Kansas City Chiefs. Los Angeles prosecutors on Friday charged uh, Chiefs defensive end Frank Clark with one felony weapons violation stemming from his arrest on March 13th by the California Highway Patrol. Uh, The 28-year-old Clark um, was with another man when officers said they found two loaded firearms in the vehicle after a traffic stop. Uh, This is a big-time issue now. Uh, it's, It's a heavy charge. Uh, facing Clark, and it really does put um, a lot of uh, question marks around him, and he's a key figure, Greg, uh, for this team. He is. He's due $18.5 million this season. He could be played on, paid, you know, placed on a paid leave list if the commissioner wanted to do that. You know, he's, he's a guy who, I think if you just look at the production overall, it's hasn't quite been worth this huge, you know, deal that they got for him uh, in the first place. So 
it, it's hard to guess. Uh, we've been so wrong over the years guessing what the NFL is going to do in terms of punishment, but it would seem to be it would seem to be obvious that some is coming. It's just a matter of how much. And it depends on there's so many variables, right? Because you take individual state laws into consideration, right? Um, there were two people in the car, uh, you know, who's bearing responsibility for which individual weapons? What was the circumstance of the traffic stop? Um, I it would it would seem to make sense to have one blanket NFL weapons rule. But then can you really do that? So what what position is the NFL in? With regards to you know fifty states, uh, you know a world of municipalities, with regards to how they handle weapons charges, um, and, and so there's you would like to have uniformity, but then you recognize that there can't be uniformity, and so like what position does the NFL actually want to take? Like we saw a previous position with regards to to marijuana enforcement, right? Where you know they they changed that, and there's just you know we're not necessarily testing for that anymore. Um, and so it's it's one of those things that's that's in the air. Um, but with regards to the way it impacts the team, I, I guess it's that classic situation. If, if they would like to pay him less or like to no longer have him on the team, then ultimately they're going to make that decision based on how he's playing. Um, I, I'm not sure that that this reaches that that level of concern, right? That his previous incidents, right, involving violence against women uh, or allegations of that uh, in college, I, I don't think it reaches that that standard. Right, he's always had that in his background. He also like, you know, was a total jerk to put it lightly to like a female reporter on Twitter uh 6 years ago. I remember that very well. Um so it does make you wonder about how the Chiefs view him, but you then you look at their depth chart and you think the NFL is a cynical place where it's a sliding scale for um, how these legal things play out. You only have to look at Tyreek Hill's contract to, to know that. And you look at their defensive end position without Frank Clark, and I would say it'd be the worst in the entire NFL. So for, in, yeah, for Frank Clark, like, like is vital to this team, and that makes me think he'll be on the team. That sliding scale applies to all realms of society, um, as unfortunate as that may be. Including uh, the criminal legal system in America. <laughs> right. <laughs> Indeed. In other news, eight NFL teams have now exceeded the 85% threshold for player vaccinations. The NFL Network reported on Tuesday, Monday was the NFL's deadline for players to get vaccinated to be cleared for full activity and avoid any restrictions when training camps open on July 27th. Um, That same network report, um, as of Monday, 71% of players league-wide have had at least one vaccination shot, and that's up from 65% in a June 25th report from ESPN. What do you take out of all this data uh, Claybon. Yes, I, I am glad that it's at seventy percent. I wish it were higher, right? I, I think nationally we're we're hovering at about fifty percent, but the access to the vaccines isn't the same as it is uh, in the NFL. So I, I think we should be higher than seventy percent. I, I would uh, I would assume as as time goes on, we'll get closer uh, to the threshold for everybody. Uh, but but I think it's a you know to, if you would have asked me on on July thirteenth, twenty twenty. Right. Hey, there's a vaccine, and seventy uh, percent of the players have it. <laughs> I would, I would be in a much. Uh, that would have been some really good news a, a year ago. So I have to celebrate it, but it, it could be better. Even a month ago, because 
I, you know, Tom Pelissero, who's you know turned into the Woodward and Bernstein in terms of uh, vaccination rate percentages. Like pinch me, Clay, Clay, Claybon noticed like like the second it got like he's got like an alarm and alert every time it goes over like a new percentage. It got to sixty nine. That was a big uh, that was a big deal. Now it's people over like 70. that number. Yeah, people do. And uh, it was a month ago. It was just climbing above fifty. So a lot of people got the message. A lot of players got the message when they released all those rules of how tough life is going to be for unvaccinated players and now suddenly eight teams are over and Dan you mentioned how in the MLB it's like three quarters of the team hit that 85% number so every team might not get there but I would guess by the time camp starts that number will be a lot higher even than eight teams and when life is really difficult for the teams that don't clear the threshold that's when you have to wonder what's going to be going on in those locker rooms amongst players who are vaccinated and who are not vaccinated it's a thorny issue it also crosses over out of sports into real life here in our country um we'll keep an eye on it as we move forward in other news the washington football team will continue to be known as the washington football team through the 2021 season but it's coming the change is coming if you are holding out thoughts and i don't get why people and i know rosenthal's on this train and, and mark is on about it uh i'll oh, just keep it the washington football team all right that's that's fine but let's be serious they should have a nickname like everybody else they don't get to be something special Why? because they had a bad name before. Um, you don't get a you don't get a W out of that. Um, it Wait, won't be a, the, if, it, if you're saying it's a W. That's proving my point. If you yeah. think it's so cool, well, no, that it's I mean, special. in your opinion, I don't even think it's cool. I'm saying some people think it's awesome just because I guess it's different. Just that's an opinion too. But anyway, it's coming. The Washington Post says a new name and logo will be revealed in early uh, next year. The team's colors will remain burgundy and gold, and it will not be the Warriors. That apparently has been ruled out, and uh, that's fine. Washington Warriors, that sounds like a made-up football team name in a bad 90s uh, NFL team where they, mm-hmm. uh, NFL movie where they couldn't get the rights to the logos and likenesses. <laughs> Wait, are we 100% sure that they can't just keep the football team? Why do you, why do you say that? Why can't, especially like, maybe let's I say misread they, the report. I think it, I think it's coming, Greg. It's well, it said, yeah, they'll announce their permanent new team name, but I, I, I think the Washington football team could be the permanent new team name. Uh, and I think the results of this year could be a factor too. Like, if again, I said this going into last year, it's going to be tough to change if they sort of have a like a magical surprise, like make the playoffs type of deal. And it's like, Ooh, look what happened. They, they did make the playoffs. Now, if they go a step further, let's say they get to the NFC championship or get to the super bowl. I think, I think that would help them keep it. And I, I think, <laughs> I think it could stay like, why wouldn't that be an option? Yeah. It's uh, unanimous <laughs> other than Dan, I think at this point, um, then it's I, not unanimous. I've, I've maintained it since like week three last season, it, it, it grew and it stuck. Uh, they had, uh, Ron Rivera went through his uh, medical tribulations. Alex Smith had an incredible comeback. They made the playoffs. Uh, they had some great moments. Uh, they'll do that again. I think it's going to be tough. Right? This defense I, I think is really it's going to be tough. People are going to get attacked. <laughs> Plus, it does that whole thing on like pro football reference where for two years, like the team, you know, it goes from one bad team name, then another and then another. It's like that's that's confusing. What is this like the 19? 19- 40s and the Boston Braves changing their name around. It's like let's get over it. Let's just stick with this. Dan, what is it? What what about what about the name doesn't meet the qualifications for you? Uh, it's not a name. What do you mean? What about the name? You can't. You're not the Washington Football Team. Yes, yeah, the name. That's the name. I mean, the Washington Football Team. That's ridiculous. Why? 
Because it's just it's not a name. It's a soccer, placeholder. Soccer teams have names like that all the time. And I yeah. I understand why Football everybody's it, it I guess it's like cool to say like this is this is the way they should be because that's that's a hot take, I guess. But now it's I feel like it's been an avalanche of people saying that and I still don't understand. No one has yet explained to me why that's actually cool. They just say it's cool. Why is it something that it should be? Is there because it's, it's historically you know, it's like what, what am I what it's am unique. I missing that that's something special that they're the Washington football team? It's it's unique. It's different. It, it's they're the Washington football team. They had a, a legacy and a heritage that was tied to a, a racial slur uh, that needed to be changed. Uh, and in that process, they came upon the Washington football team. And Alex Smith came back from a broken leg. They had Ooh, all these things yeah. happen. Okay. Can we calm down about like the 2020 Washington football season being like this season we'll remember forever? It's that's simply not the case. If I it's do, the year of their name, I'll, I'll remember it forever. Yeah, this is an organization that has whatever. <laughs> Bring it the on. Op- I can fight all day about this one. Whatever the opposite of like you know a great tradition is. You know, I know they won some games, but you know, going back even just a, a month ago, it's continued. The first ownership, you know, George Preston Marshall to this current ownership who just, you know, got punished by the league. A lot of bad. So I do think, the, you know, the Washington football team, like the name, it helps wash, you know, it's like a new beginning. It's Wait, new did start. you happen to catch the news item last week about the Washington football team? And That's what I just certain, said. Well, that's yeah. true. That did happen. That, that happened when they were that the was the old. That was the a, old. How about a new cleansing? Thing. Like at what point do we cleanse every time there's a bad story in the news? Like what? <laughs> So once the team name changes, then it does actually cleanse everything. I, I think that's I think that's what they're hoping that it's a turning of the. I don't know. <laughs> it makes me sick the whole thing. All right. Speaking of pro football reference. Yeah, yeah. God Number. bless you, pro football reference. I've always loved you, and I Indeed. love your friends over at Pro Baseball Reference. Um, Shout out to Pro my- Basketball Reference. Pro basketball reference does great work as well. I'm sure there's a pro hockey reference and a pro this reference and a pro that reference. But for me, pro football reference is a Bible. Uh, if you cover this sport or just, you know, love the sport uh, because it has a detailed history and incredible uh, uh, statistical breakdowns and all sorts of history connected to our league. And with that in mind, uh, did you know? that the NFL only sanctioned the sack as an official statistic in 1982. That always seems so strange to me. 1982. I I, I was going to make a Sessler age joke, but he's not here. I was going to say he was (laughs) graduating college that year, but he's not here to get upset about it. But I said it anyway. Anyway, 1982, um, which is crazy because NFL has been played for over 100 years um, and even crazier the NFL has the ability, if they so desire, to go back much further than 1982 and actually figure out the accurate uh, st- statistics for sack, which is one of the most um, popular um, stats there is, and maybe the most popular stat there is on the de- defensive side of the ball. So what Pro Football Reference did is they went back to 1960 and came up now with their own unofficial totals for sacks. And guess what? Michael Strahan. <laughs> you don't got the record no more, Mikey. <laughs> that bastardized record. The one that you took from New York Jets star Mark Gastineau. When you conspired with Brett Favre, who slid at your feet in a meaningless Week 17 game 20 years ago to steal the sack record. 
Well, guess what? For the people that are in the know, that doesn't matter anymore. The sack record now belongs to the immortal Al Baker, who in his rookie season with the Detroit Lions in 1978 had 23 sacks. And now joining us on the Around the NFL podcast, nobody (laughs) knew. Nobody knew. What a surprise. It's Al Baker in the biggest of all spots. Al, first of all, welcome to the Around the NFL podcast and congratulations on being the official sack champion for all time in the NFL, at least according to the people that know what the hell they're talking about. Al Baker, baby. Hey. Hey, man. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me on, man. You must have been uh, – where were you when you found this news out? And, like, what was your what was your reaction? Uh, Are you finding this news out now? I don't know. Right, of being the unofficial sack king. Well, you know, I, I meditate on my patio. I live in a condo on the 10th floor, and I was sitting out there, and I, I never checked my emails or my texts until 10. For some reason today, I saw a 310 number, and, and I thought it was a guy I'm doing a script I'm, I'm writing a script for um, a legal drama series that I, you know, during COVID, one of those things we all do during COVID, I was mm-hmm. creating a script. So I thought this was the guy that I've been working with because he's in um, Los Angeles. I opened it up and I thought, okay, all right. And then for some reason, and I'm not kidding you, without any prompting, tears just started running down my eyes. Wow. And my wife was inside. I opened up the patio doors, and my wife, first thing she said was, what's wrong? And I said, nothing's wrong. And I said, come look at this. And, you know, we hugged, and then I lost about an hour and a half, two hours. It just, you know, my daughter uh, called. Um, it was really emotional for my family. You know, I guess at six foot eight, you know, 290 pounds, that doesn't sound really tough. But we were all crying like little girls. <laughs> you yeah. know, somebody tells you you're the sack leader, and and what do you do? You start crying, and 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 I guess it's because none of us have really sat around like some players, and and you know, we want this and we want that. We hadn't thought about it for at least you know, for at least I'm not kidding you, twenty years. You know, it's been twenty. If, if nobody says anything after ten years getting elected a couple of times, um, you know, uh, an honorable mention to the Hall of Fame. You just, you just assume and you say to yourself, move on, you know, and that's what I did. I just went on with my life. I've, I've not, the only conversations that I would have was when people would come up to me and they would say, they talk about Michael Strahan's 20 second and a half sack. That was a problem for me, the way that went down. That was a preach for, because Michael had a great year. You know, and, and to, to see that, it, it had nothing to do with my 23. It just had to do with, well, why does he need to do that? You know, now now it's tainted, in my opinion, and, and that bothered me. Did but, you, you know, you did it as a rookie, NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year. How disappointing was it yeah. that the sacks were not even tabulated until four years into your career? Because in addition to it, it um, – costing you some level of notoriety and maybe even the Hall of Fame. Financially, I'm sure it had an impact as well because guys that sack quarterbacks get paid in the league and it wasn't recognized the way it, it is now. Uh, so you kind of missed the boat there. So in a lot of ways, I'm so happy to hear, first of all, how happy you are about it. But also, do you look back with some regret about the way this all played out with the stats, just the timing of it all? Yeah, You know what? I, I believe in being honest. And I think at that point at 20, 
think about it. 20 years old and all of a sudden all this is going on. I am so relieved that I didn't get the kind of money that these guys got then because I was an idiot, like all other 20-year-olds. You know, every time you think about a young man at the age of 20 or 21 in the NFL getting in trouble, that's a baby. They're a baby. And if you remember the song, you guys are too young. There was a song by David Bowie called Fame. I am just blessed to be able to say to you guys, I survived being famous. That's that's mm-hmm. the thing that I'm most proud of. I've been there. I've done that. I've, I've seen what it does to some people. And just for an example, I saw a player maybe about five years ago. His roster bonus was more than I made in my entire 13 years. I deepest one. Now, I don't want to mention his name because at the time he was at the peak and he deserved a new contract, but he's been hurt ever since. If that were me when I was 20, I might have bought myself a rocket ship. Who knows? I was just that goofy. <laughs> was, you know, you're a baby. You, you, you just got out of college. You don't know how to handle who how do you figure out who your friends are? How do you figure out, you know, when your family's calling you and asking for money? I mean, these are the real things that happen because people figure if you um, then you're rich. And I got to tell you guys, my rookie contract was $25,000 and a $25,000 bonus. It was dollars 30, dollars $32,000, and $40,000. That was a problem because I signed it. And the Lions were not going to extend it or change it. The only thing mm. I could do was make them trade me. Mm. And that, and that happened. No, no, uh, no matter how much of a, of a defensive leader, that was the way the game was back then. And your final season in Detroit was 1982, the first year the league kept sacks as an official stat. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that you were a, a part of, obviously, the Silver Rush defense in Detroit and you were the best pass rusher in the in the league at that time. And and your three seasons, yeah. first three seasons, you had 23, 16, and 17 and a half sacks. You led the league in 78 and 80, uh, even if it was unofficial. Um, just an unbelievable career. And I just wanted to have you on the show and, and congratulate you on this and, and, and just hope that maybe the NFL recognizes this because Pro Football Reference is a, a widely uh, respected uh, um, entity in the league and, and you get what you deserve and maybe even get a jacket out of it when it's all said and done. Oh man, I, I'm awfully flattered and I'm glad to be here and be real with you guys. Uh, I'm, I'm real comfortable with where I am right now in life to get that song by David Bowie. Not everybody can handle fame. <laughs> mm. Absolutely. And you're, you're in a McDonald's right now. Thank you for going the extra mile. You stopped on the way. I mean, I consider myself someone who like pays attention to football history and stuff. So I'm really excited about this because I didn't know about your career that much. And 56 and a half sacks in your first three years is absolutely insane. Like that. It, I, I would I'd love to go back and look to see that compared to anyone else. My guess would be you came in with a bigger sack force than anyone in the history of the NFL. Eventually JJ Watt like came in pretty strong, but he didn't do 56 sacks in his first three years strong. So I'm I'm glad that the people know and, and you kept it going 131 career sacks. It's it's an amazing achievement. I'm glad to learn about you today. Yeah, I was just gonna congratulate Al um because I, I know uh, you talked about the discrepancy in pay between now and then uh what the owners and players and us right are, are making is is uh, because of the work that you guys put in. Uh, and making the league what it is today. Um, and I'm just, I'm glad that people, and like Greg said, I've had a chance to, to learn more about your career through wow. 
wow. uh, this decision uh, from from Pro Football Reference and and, and just appreciating right uh, that you 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 sacked the quarterback while they had the ball right you you tackled the <laughs> and that was a thing that added value and there was nothing keeping us as a league from recognizing those stats that happened before 1982. Uh, so I'm glad that we're doing it today and and I'm just glad that you're here um, and, and and thanks thanks for all the work you put in. I'm I'm super. I'm so flattered by you guys. Thank you for having me on. I'm sorry about the, the delay and, uh, you know, and any complications. But, hey, guys, that's a part of life. And yeah. that's what you pros, us pros, that's what we do. We work through it. And that's the essence of my career. Every year, the 13 years was a different year. Beautiful. All right, Bubba. Well, thank you very much for joining us. And, uh, and best of luck uh, to you going forward with everything, whether it's your screenplay project or Bubba's Boneless Ribs. Uh, your business over there, which you can check out at Bubba'sBonelessRibs.com. Thank you, my man, and congratulations. 23, baby. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Al. There he goes, Al Baker. How about Thanks, that? Guys. How about that for? How about that? How about that for? How about that for a little uh, surprise on today's Around the NFL podcast? Thanks for that surprise, Dan. Yeah, that was amazing. Now I want to say this too, like it. I obviously I have fun about that in the Strahan record and, and all that stuff, but, uh, and have having Al on was just going to be something kind of fun playing off that. But then when he started talking about how much it meant to him, how he got uh, choked up by it, 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 a makes a lot of sense. And, uh, B was just, uh, really cool to have him, uh, share that with us. And I hope, um, I hope other people, uh, learn a bit more about, uh, Bubba Baker because he had a really big career. 131 sacks. It's a lot more than some, um, some pass rushers that are in Canton. But just, yeah, those, looking at those the first three years, imagine, I don't know, just imagine the profile of a guy who, uh, if he came into the league right now, went broke the record his rookie year one rookie of the year and then followed that up with 16 sacks and then led the league with 17 and a half the year after that imagine that guy's profile heading into year four <laughs> he'd be the biggest not you know st- superstar in the entire league that doesn't play quarterback it's pretty amazing and all of these games were recorded we have video evidence of everything that took place uh there's nothing keeping us from doing that from recognizing right. the guys who were integral uh in making the league what it is today and and the him telling the story of crying with his family it hit me too dan um you know who else are we who else is going underappreciated for their contributions just because we 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 haven't adjusted some numbers around uh, yeah and i wonder I, what, I, I what happens them next know now it. I want to let them know at Pro Football Reference. I'm sure, hopefully, they hear this reaction too because they did Yeoman's work, doing all the work to to find these numbers. Absolutely, and I I, I hope that it doesn't stop here. I hope that what Pro Re- Football Reference getting the ball rolling on this, the NFL, you know, maybe there's some teamwork here, and they can really fill in the gaps on these. Make it stats. official. They yeah. can make it official. All right, let's wrap up the news. It's going to be hard to top that, but let's wrap up the news with Ben Roethlisberger, who is entering what almost certainly is his final season, but who knows, uh, in the NFL. He's 39 years old. He really uh, did not play very well down the stretch uh, for the Steelers in a disappointing season for Pittsburgh uh, after that 11-0 start. Uh, And there's a lot of questions about Roethlisberger. There's a lot of questions about his offensive line. Here is the latest on the quarterback, and this from Ryan Burr on Twitter. 
Ben Camp says biggest concern is weight loss. He has been so driven since the season ended. Source says his diet is stricter than Brady. How about that? Roethlisberger's camp also said he's, quote, yep, here it comes, in the best shape of his life. And that Roethlisberger, this, I do believe, hears everything. Everything. (laughs) This is this is like the second time this happened this offseason, by the way, where like a local Pittsburgh Steelers guy was like being like, hey, you know, uh, this is just my source talking. Ben Ben would never put this out there himself, but he's noticing everything you're saying this summer. <laughs> and uh, just this source says, and, you know, Ben would never, you know, want to put this out here himself, but this source says that he's taking his diet more seriously than Brady. Like, how is Ben measuring that? Like, is he does he have a TB12 book, and he's, like, going one step beyond what the Brady method? Like, how does he know he's going one step beyond Brady? I mean, the, when when people, like, throw out something, like, that's that big of an exaggeration, then you just start you start wondering what's true. What's true? Went too it, big. It, it could be possible, right? Uh, if you read the TB12 diet, there's a copy in our locker room. There's some contradictions in there that it's like, wait, you can't do both of these things at the same time. So you could, I guess, conceivably, if you're going by the book, uh, take your diet more seriously than Tom Brady. Uh, the question is why? Why is there a need to say that? Um, yeah, I like, love it. So love you're, it. you're telling me that you haven't been taking your diet seriously, uh, and that's the reason uh, to blame for this? Or did you have you know reconstructive elbow surgery? Uh, and at at an advanced age, um, I, I do wonder what's the the purpose of these things. And I, he did. I, he looked big, even by Big Ben standards, by the end of last season, and. I know this, and I know there's millions and millions of Americans that know this. The struggle is real uh, with having your weight under control for a lot of people. And I think this is something that's going to be tough for him, especially as he gets closer to 40, unless he completely changes his lifestyle. Um, but to use a Sesslerism, he is a Stone Age pony right now in the pocket and a sitting de- duck. And 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 we're going to bring up Big Ben a little bit later in our next segment. Uh, but mm. he has to move better in the pocket if he's going to survive the season, especially with that line. I, I like it just because in in doing a little research and by research, I mean, just like checking Ryan Burr, this guy's his other tweets. He knows Ben Roethlisberger, like going back to high school, like he covered him in high school. And and so I just do like the idea that Ben has his closer friends in the media, and he is getting the word out that 2021 is Ben with a vengeance tour. And that's like, that's fun. That's like a, whether it, ha- whether it happens or not, I like it as a plot line. Cause he is setting up this plot line as uh as someone who's, you know, occasionally been a bit of a heel in terms of an NFL underdog. Players. We can all get behind, right? Greg? I mean, no, but I, I think sports needs, uh, sports needs villains. Yes. I do. I do like them. As a player, I do want to, you know, before we move very quickly to give uh, a rest in peace to Alex Gibbs, the former Broncos offensive line coach, just because he, he, you know, starting those zone running schemes with the Broncos back in the 80s truly influenced the future of the NFL in a schematic way, you know, more than a lot of like head coaches, like uh, more than some that are in the Hall of Fames or something. You can see the impact of what Alex Gibbs did. Not that he was the first person ever to do zone blocking, but the way he did it in such uh, such a way that turned the Broncos into a juggernaut. You see it. You still see it. You see it all around the league, uh, and it's because of him. Yeah, any innovation, right, that opens up opportunity for players who don't traditionally 
uh, get it. Um, you know, the way that we evaluate linemen and, and look, they, you can definitely see a shift and a change. And it doesn't detract from the way that the other ways that people have had blocking schemes, but it only adds. And so anytime somebody contributes that to a game, uh, especially this game, uh, shout out to them. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. And by the way, finally, give it a rest uh, to the Hillsborough River down there in Tampa. I mean, this, the Super Bowl trophy, the Lombardi trophy gets tossed um, by Tom Brady and almost kills somebody. Now the Stanley <laughs> Cup, because the, the Lightning won the, the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, good for them. They're back-to-back champs over there in the NHL. They take the, their big trophy out on that river and they dent the damn thing by throwing it around and, and roughhousing with the most coveted uh, trophy in in the sport. I just want everybody to just, you know, don't want to be the fun police here. But let's just take it easy and with the roughhousing. Let's calm down, boys. Do you, we, I, I remember when the Stanley Cup came to uh, Wilbraham, Massachusetts, my hometown, Billy Guerin of the New York, New Jersey Devils. And it, it was like the biggest <laughs> thing that ever happened uh, to the town of Wilbraham, that the Stanley Cup. It is came, the best trophy. Uh, this is a Damashek always said this, and I agree with him, even though I'm not a quarter or a tenth of the hockey fan that Damashek is, a one hundredth of the hockey fan. Of, it is, I think, the best trophy, right? Oh, yeah. I, I like the Lombardi trophy, um, but it does not hold a candle to Lord Stanley's Cup. I'm with you. Patrick, Patrick's got a take. I, it, it, no, I, I don't have a take. Take I, it down. Take it down. Clayton. Take what down? The, the Stanley Cup? <laughs> the what about the Waterford uh, Crystal College football I, I do miss. I do miss the Crystal football. Why'd they get rid of that? That was kind of, speaking of unique. Branding, right? They, they wanted to brand this this new thing that they were doing and, and sell it more effectively, so they changed the trophy. Speaking of that, I, and speaking of my Irish heritage, when I was 16, back in 96, we went on a family pilgrimage to the motherland and it involved a lot of driving around on a bus and, and visiting castles um, and driving through green rolling hills under an overcast uh, sky that was my Ireland journey as a teenager but we stopped at the uh, factory where they made that trophy and the woman who gave us the tour said this is the Super Bowl trophy and I was like it's not the Super Bowl trophy you're mistaken lady and she said no you're mistaken. It's the Super Bowl trophy. And I said, I'm 16, but I'm right, and you're wrong. I didn't say that. But I remember thinking to myself, I didn't even know that that was the college trophy at that point. And then maybe like a year or two later, I saw it at the end of a game. It's like, oh, she just doesn't know anything. Okay, It was a, it was an early introduction to like that facts can be debatable, you know, that uh, you can talk to someone who just won't recognize a fact, even if even if it's true. I try to tell her. All right. That's what's happening in the news. All right. Without further ado, yes, the Superstar Club. It's back. You can read all about it uh, later this week on NFL.com slash Hansus. Um, it is my club that features only the best and brightest. And because it's just more fun, I focus on quarterbacks and skill players on offense. There are places on the internet where you can go and dive deep and find out who the superstar trench monsters are, who's in the secondary uh, linebackers. And I respect all that. Uh, But I uh, just to keep things focused and have some fun. I stayed on the offensive side of the ball with uh, skill players. And uh, 
I have 27 names this year, oh. boys, that span QB, running back, wide receiver, tight end. And the most important element of this, the Superstar Club, is it's a zero-sum game. What does that mean, Patrick, to you? You're either in or you're out. There's, there's Not no, quite. Great. There's no media. What does it mean? Well, I mean, one goes in, one comes out. That number right, 27, no... I guess, is, you know, if someone if someone's coming in, someone's got to get booted. Right. And, and, that's, and that's really tough. And I struggle with it more than you would think. Like, I was up at 1.30 working on this piece uh, yesterday, in fact, and I was, like, struggling with a certain wide receiver. Uh, I reached out to Greg earlier in the day to get his thoughts on it. And it, it, I was thinking to myself, why do I, why am I so invested in this? Well, it's because it's the superstar club and I'm the bouncer and I take it seriously. So with that said, and speaking of trophies flying through the Hillsborough River, I bet you didn't know it was the Hillsborough River boys, did you? No. I actually did. I thought they were in the Bay. So I appreciate that. <laughs> Tampa, um, I mean, something's weird about Tampa being like the city of champions, but that's where we are. That's where we're at. The world right now. Um, I start with a mea culpa, and I feel like I've been doing this for years. Tom Brady, welcome back. The first guy to ever leave the Superstar Club and return. And return. I kicked out Tom Brady in this exercise uh, following his 2018 season. And at that time, I reasoned that while he was still an impact player. uh, He just won the Super Bowl. A closer study, yes, he had just won the Super Bowl, but a closer study of his game. And Greg, you always hang your hat on that playoff run, which was fine. Uh, but they did win like three to two in the Super Bowl, so let's calm down about they that. They did too. put up a forty burger on the Chargers, and then he outgunned Mahomes in overtime, uh, like mid thirties. Right, think. still a, a big time quarterback, but um, his entire um, look at his season made me think, okay, this might be time to get out. He was 41 as a superstar, not as a top quarterback or even a star. And then the next season came around and I felt great about it because that was his last season in New England and his numbers by his standards flatlined a little bit. They were one and done in the playoffs. And I was like, all right, I've gotten so many things wrong with Tom Brady. This I got right. Um, However, what has happened here is he goes to Tampa, of course, wins the Super Bowl, plays at an exceedingly high level, throws 50 touchdowns over the course of the regular season and playoffs. And he is undeniably a pro football superstar at 43 years old. The mind boggles. Now, um, zero-sum game. So Tom's back in. Out. Easy one to start. Drew Brees, retired. I love those. Those are gimmies. And the truth of the matter is, I got it wrong last year because I should have taken Drew Brees out ahead of his last season. I didn't do it, and that was a mistake. Mm. I, I like the analysis. I, I think um, it's important to, to have a critical window into, into what happened in the past. And perhaps, uh, Dan, you were projecting a slight regression, which if we <laughs> go back to the discussion at the time, uh, that's what happened. And perhaps you could make the argument that it did happen. And then there was a shift in the other direction. Uh, yeah, you made the, the same team. mistake that Sean Payton did. You know, Sean Payton should have kicked Drew Brees to the curb last year and welcomed in Tom Brady. That's that, true. That's, that's, that's why uh, Tom's throwing MF bombs. Uh, I think it was the Saints. I still think it was the Saints. He's done. Uh, real quick, a little housekeeping. Um, the My additions and subtractions last year, uh, I, I put Lamar Jackson in off his MVP season. I took out Cam Newton. 
Uh, no regrets there on either front. I put in Dak Prescott. I took out Andrew Luck, who retired, of course. Running back, I put in Dalvin Cook, took out Lev Bell, that one. Put in Derrick Henry, took out Todd Gurley. That was easy. Wide receiver, I put in Ty- Tyreek Hill. I took out Antonio Brown. Feel good about that. I put in Amari Cooper, took out Juju Smith-Schuster, which was a bad job by me, putting him in in the first place. Uh, but you got to take L sometimes in this game. That was last year. Now, next, quarterback Josh Allen, Buffalo Bills in. What else needs to be said? Um, but I love this stat from PFF. He was sixth in the NFL last season with a 79.1% adjusted completion rate. And that's a massive jump from him. Uh, he was in the bottom, he was in the 30s amongst quarterbacks in 2019. So in one offseason, he essentially went from this hyper athletic Haas with a scatter shot, shot arm to a complete package. Uh, it's one of the great year-to-year leaps in recent years, so it's an easy move uh, to put him in the Superstar Club, but one that I would not have predicted uh, this time last year. No, and I think him him being able to back that up is one of the big stories of the year because there's every reason to believe that they can and should because m- almost more than any team other than the Bucks, they're all they're all back. They're all back, and the coordinator's back, and Allen should feel good about keeping that level up. But you do think about regression and you know anyone that's improved that much in one year whether they can hold it i i have no doubt though that he should be in the superstar club though yeah it's in terms of holding it up uh th- that's a question for everybody uh that's why people leave the superstar club in the first place uh but but to say uh i don't think it's going to be repeatable maybe not ever in nfl history a guy's going to go from completing or right or in the high fifties uh, of passes to to the low seventies, right? Like it's just it, it's not it's not going to happen a lot, uh, but we are going to see people perhaps take shots on quarterbacks, uh, you know, that have the arm, that have the ability and the mobility, um, and maybe completion percentage, uh, as perhaps it should uh, should should kind of fall down on the rankings of how we evaluate guys. And to what you were saying, uh, Greg, one thing to keep an eye on. Um... There is a stat over on PFF turnover worthy plays. Not they not they don't necessarily turn into interceptions, um, uh, but plays that could have gone the either way. And the quarterback uh, went the quarterback's way. Uh, Allen had a, a somewhat high number in that department. So if some of those plays go the other way, maybe he's not quite as excellent as he was a year ago. But uh, we'll see. Out. We just talked about him, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, there's just. There's just too much here telling me this could be um, a late period Dan Marino situation where he's just going to not be able to move. He's not going to be able to throw downfield and the the, the whole thing is going to collapse. I, I think there's an alternate um, storyline here where I think the Steelers are fine on offense. But I think the days of him being a superstar, uh, if he ever was, and, and that opinions vary there, but I, 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 I obviously think he was. I think those days of him being an elite top performer are over. Hmm. I mean, he definitely was. He was a top five quarterback for a good chunk of his his career, and d- to me, didn't doesn't need those like Super Bowls to be a no doubter Hall of Famer just for how he's been year to year. And I wouldn't be surprised at all with these weapons around him if they have a pretty good offensive season, that's a nice receiving core. Ben just getting rid of the ball quickly. He's definitely sharper than he used to be. If he's in a little better shape, like I could totally see him having a very capable, like not top five, but solid season. It's, it's tough to project a 
for me to see a comeback, right? Uh, when you look at, you know, the surgery, the advanced age, it, it, it it's like we look at, at Cam Newton, right? He he tried to do all of those things. He he tried to change his diet. He became vegan. But but at a certain point, your body goes through trauma. And um, as much as it, it funds my existence, uh, football isn't isn't good for you. Like you, you, it's tough to get healthier <laughs> playing football. Uh, and and I, I just it I can't see it. Yeah, I don't think I'll be writing next season a mea culpa about Big Ben, but you never know. Um, finally, I have three quarterbacks entering the Superstar Ooh. Club. Kyler Murray. Now, this one, a little bit of Whoa. a leap of faith, and I understand that. Um, but I just want to say this. Last November 15th, Kyler Murray scrambled toward his own sideline near midfield and heaved up a prayer. It was answered by DeAndre Hopkins. It was quickly dubbed the Hail Murray. It got the um, obligatory Wikipedia entry it was a truly special moment and at that moment in time the whole football world was buzzing about kyler murray taking this next step and being an mvp candidate and the cardinals who were a flawed team but were five and three and um there was so much to be excited about a couple weeks later he hurts his shoulder he's not the same guy with his legs or his arm the rest of the way so it's a little bit of a leap of faith, but I think this year he's going to go nuts. And I really, I don't know about the Cardinals because that's a tough division. And and you can make the argument, the fact that it's such a tough division will keep Murray from reaching an elevated level of play. But I think he is an absolute stone-cold MVP candidate. Whoa. And at the end of the season will be seen as a top six or seven or even top five guy at his position. Fight me. It's a projection. I mean, he's not there yet, I don't think. But, you know, when you say superstar, that's more than just numbers. And he has that factor. I mean, he's the most, you know, him and Lamar are the two best runners I've ever seen. And he improved significantly in year two. So if he did that again, like he improved significantly as a runner. He improved significantly avoiding sacks. Um, he was, be- you know, better as a passer. But is he a top 10 quarterback right now? To me, he's like on the edge of that. And so he will have to improve to live up to daddy Zeus. Is that one of your nicknames? <laughs> no, but I you know, like projected it. Daddy Zeus. I well, like call, daddy Zeus. You were calling yourself daddy earlier. I'm like, you're not my daddy. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I was that. like, which daddy are you talking about? And that's not even factoring in the, uh, the nickname that's really started to build a little bit of heat uh, down in Tybee Island tugboat. I mean, that one's out there now too. I didn't. I didn't know Clearly about that you feel, one. You, you feel I didn't good know about, about that about, one. Right. Yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't. You like that one, though, huh? I has, none of these ever have anything to do with me, mm. Greg. It's it's what connects with the people. That that's what it's always been would, about. Would you have put forth tugboat here in this circumstance if you did not like tugboat? Right. Yes, yeah, I would because I think I've I literally just, never I'm heard another human say the new old blue eyes other than you. So I do feel like you <laughs> you put that forward. <laughs> Listen, the triple G or whatever you call yourself. I like how you you, you that's fine. You like Six, to put that 60% out there. G. Yeah, I 60% named it. G. I've, I've I've owned that all along. But I am sixty percent. That's my Zeus or if the new old blue eyes, if tugboat, if he throws out a name, all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, this guy is ridiculous. Listen, 60% G is pretty out there, too. And I like yeah, that nickname. But I'm just saying I own it that I'm the one throwing it out there. I, didn't, I I'm just want to also own it. Yeah, say that yesterday at 3.15 p.m., Dan said it was my forever destiny dash tugboat in all caps. <laughs> so he said yeah. it himself. I think it's I think it's pretty obvious. It's okay, Dan, for you to like tugboat, yeah. uh, for you to push tugboat forward. I'm not pushing it. Uh, the tugboat only pulls, you're, you're, brother. Are, yeah, you're pulling it. 
The tugboat. See, there he is. He leads us where he wants us to go. The tugboat, Danny. All right, let's uh, let's keep going here. Uh, this one, I'm taking another L here. Carson Wentz. I did put Carson Wentz in the Superstar Club. I thought this guy was awesome. Um, I thought he was an awesome quarterback. And uh, he was not awesome last year. In fact, he was quite bad. And even though I believe him to be a real bounce-back can- candidate in Indianapolis this year, if he is in the Superstar Club coming off the season where he was one of the worst quarterbacks in football, that would that would be devastating uh, for our establishment. There's no, there's no way to remain in good standing. So I, I, I put push my chips into the center of the table with Wentz last year, still believed in him. These things don't always work out, but I've righted a wrong, obviously. Oh, yeah. I mean, you, the, the amount of grief you're going to take from Brady when he shows up and being like, yo, you had Wentz in here last year, man? With his Brady went bits, in yeah. here over over me last year. Like, give me the entire uh, corner of the club. I own it, or else I'm not coming in again for that sort of disrespect. Going Wentz over me. Perhaps yeah, it was this particular venue that that Brady was mentioning in his in his famed uh, that's true him effort moment. He was talking about Dan Hansen's Superstar Club. Um, <laughs> um, the, the final uh, troubled waters. Tugboat and trouble the waters. I like it. Uh, the updated QB membership, Allen, Brady, Lamar, Mahomes, Kyler, Dak, Rogers, Ryan, Deshaun, Russell Wilson. I have a little close calls category. Matt Ryan, I did think very hard about whether it's time to say goodbye. Uh, one of the great pocket passers of his generation, but also not been quite the same guy since Kyle Shanahan left. But I just felt it was not the right time with Arthur Smith and mm this Kyle Pitts character entering the fray to, to bail on the guy. So he's getting one more year running back. Nick Chubb's in Mark Sessler. I'll give him credit. He said next year, you will have Nick Chubb in the superstar club. And now he is in the superstar club. Great PFF stat leads the NFL over the past two seasons with 124 broken tackles on 488 carries. He's a truck machine, but he's not just a lumbering bruiser. Uh, he, he has a bunch of home run plays too. He's a badass. Um, and out. And this one is controversial, boys. This one I really debated as well. Ezekiel Elliott. He gone. Hmm. And I and I tried not to succumb to recency bias on this because as bad as his 2020 was, and it was bad. He didn't he wasn't explosive. He was putting the ball on the carpet. He was a mess. He's still just 25. He's still in a really good offense, even if the line isn't what it used to be. Uh, he clearly, if he shows up in great shape, like we're hearing, uh, is a candidate to have a big bounce back season. Um, but you can't ignore that he hasn't quite been the same guy the last couple of years. Uh, so I did throw it to, I just said, let the people decide. I put it up there on Twitter late last night. Simple question, is Ezekiel Elliott a superstar? And guess what? Almost 4,300 votes cast so far. And 75.6% of the people say no. So that's where I went. I went. The people decided. Do you guys agree with the people? Well, I, you know, if it's him versus Chubb, then, then you made the right choice. I guess I got to look at the whole list because I do think this one statistically could come back to haunt you. You know, he's been in the league, what, five years? In three of those years, he went over 1,750 yards from scrimmage. And I kind of would put him over that this year again. I think I think Zeke I struggled Zeke with this. I see is that is going to sure. get one more one more B 
big year, and this smells like the year. The offensive line still looks great. The passing game is great. He's going to be ready to go, and I think he there's a decent chance he'll be more explosive and look a little better and, and just rack up numbers because he's going to get the ball 350 times and be a nice little fantasy. You know, this is the time to buy in, I think, on fantasy. His value is at a low. Hmm. Yeah. You do have a a buy-low opportunity, I think, with Zeke. But if we're talking about the Superstar Club, one thing that I'm seeing, it's a trend, where Dan is concerned about projecting into the next year. And those are the areas where I think we end up regretting inclusion into the Superstar Club. Mm, Well, then Kyler Um, could be a problem. He could be another after-year-two mistake like Juju or something. But in terms of if we're just looking at, at Chubb versus Zeke, like anybody can can grant superstardom based on on the past but but what this club seeks to do in my opinion as somebody who who values it greatly um (laughs) is provide an accurate depiction of the value that this player adds to the sport and and currently nick chubb doesn't get the love that he should and we have rectified that in the superstar club Mm. and zeke did not perform well uh last year so i think it's i think it's easy perfectly said claybon I mean, this is why Claybon gets the prime Friday night DJ sets at the club. Um, <laughs> it's a second job. It pays well. He can hang out with the players. That is a good um, question. He, he just respects the I, respects the club so much. If if Claybon and I, that I do like, I like the idea, but I don't I don't quite see it. No, if Claybon were working at a high end elite, let's say nightclub, whether it's West Hollywood, let's just stick it in West Hollywood. Um, what? What would be his position at said club? General manager, I think. I think he would just run the place for you, you know. I don't know. That's well, you're good. the owner, though. Yeah. I don't know. I'm putting you in a kind of a no-fun job, though, Claybon. I'm sorry. It's okay. I, I, I don't mind being a man of the people. Uh, What's the, the club, class. Ricky? Where Where's where is Claybon working? It's One Oak. If you're going to be at a club, mm. you got to be at One Oak. Is is that the the trendy That's fashionable the establishment club? Oh, okay. That's like you'll see Bieber, you'll see Chris Brown, like One Oak. There's L.A. and I think Vegas one too. Can you get in that, Ricky? Where are you at on the social ladder? I have gotten in once, but it it took took a lot of work. What did it take? <laughs> Let me guess. We'll have to go it, it, it wasn't worth it. No, it, it wasn't. Yeah, no. let's see how those things go. Um. All right. So there you go. Uh, the updated running back membership is Saquon Barkley, which I did give a little thought on. It's been a tough situation with him, and that knee injury return table is murky, but I'm not going to do anything rash there. Um, Barkley, Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. I had a little bit of a dilemma over Aaron Jones, uh, but ultimately I think it was similar probably to the one faced by the Packers before they gave that man his bag. He's really good, but, you know, is he great? I don't know. Wait, he's not in the club, right? He's not in. Right. No, I think that is – I have a feeling that is the most solid, inarguably group on the list, and I think you did well bringing Chubb in. Thanks. All right, wide receiver. Uh, We have two wide receivers in, and this was was tough. So I put in A.J. Brown for starters. I mean, a second-round pick who was a star after year one and then took his game – up a couple notches in year two so now he's entering year three he's a yak monster um he's fearless uh over the middle he's just a a perfect guy you want on your team and ryan Tannehill's in love with him uh and now you put julio jones up uh line him up opposite of him and i just think that brown is setting himself up to produce at a level that few of his peers can match in year three 
I just love the guy, um, so I, I put him in. And are you guys okay with AJ Brown? Yep, absolutely. Well, he gets knocked out, but yeah, that makes All sense. Right. I took out Odell. Mm. He, I mean, he continues Beckham to be a buzzy summertime pick here, and uh, as a guy that could deliver a, a big season, reminiscent of the Giants days, but. In truth, I just don't think his his game matches his name, and it's been a while since we saw that peak superstar type production. It's been a little bit messy here in Cleveland with Baker, and then he blow, blows out his knee. But even before he blew out the knee last year, um, outside of one game where he exploded and showed that potential he's always had, um, he just hasn't been the same guy since 2016. Uh, do I think he could have a monster season here? Um, yes, it's certainly within the range of outcomes, but is it also more likely, in my opinion, that his best days are behind him? Almost 29 years old, I think that might be it. Mm. I think, can have we set a, what's your, your standard regarding can one lose membership in the Superstar Club due to injury specifically? Um, there is, you don't get, yeah, you don't get any, uh, cookies for that. It's, it's an unfortunate aspect of the game. And if you suffer a devastating lower body injury, it needs to be taken into uh, consideration. It's tough. Cause like, like Brady, he's just like unquestionably a superstar in, in, um, no matter how long, how many injuries he gets. And, uh, he's still so young that you think like all that talent that Not he has that young. It hasn't gone anywhere it's on a relative scale is pretty young. I'm just saying, he's turning I, 29 this season. I he he should have good years left, so it's dangerous. Uh, this is a dangerous one. It's very dangerous, At, and especially knowing some of the other uh, wide receivers that are still in the club. And there was so much promise there, right? You mentioned the the breakout at the, uh, week four uh, against the Cowboys. I, I lose track of, of when that was, but it was an explosion, right? And and even on the play where, you know, Baker underthrows him, it gets picked off. He's he's being Odell. He's being extremely athletic. He's trying to make a tackle, and he, he, he blows his cruise ship, right? Um, it's there, right? O- Odell is was there at some point, uh, but do we know uh, the capacity to which this, this guy is this otherworldly athlete who's able to do those things? Can he still do that now? Uh, and is he in the right place to do that, even yeah. if he has that ability still? It's, and, it's, and wide receivers really deeper well. with, like, you know, there's so many different guys that was like, hey, that's a top 10 receiver. But you look around the league and it is deeper than it's ever been in terms of great wideouts. So Odell will have to bring back some 2016-17 Odell to get to that level. It's a better field than it was back then. That's fair. That's fair. All right, up next, Stefan Diggs. I mean, what else needs to be said? Obviously, he was a total monster. And, and in that offense that is unchanged, with Brian Dayball there, it's just going to continue. I think him, along with Devontae Adams, I don't have two wide receivers that are more, you know, lock it in, but put money in the bank that this guy with, with good health is going to have a monster year. I, I trust him over just about anybody in the league. And I had to take out somebody. This one was real tough. I moved Mike Evans out of the Superstar Club. Hmm. What do you guys think about that? Because I'm, I struggle with that one. Well, is that it for receivers getting That's kicked it. out? Here's the you updated. Got, you got Amari Cooper in there. Right. The updated membership is Devontae, A.J. Brown, Cooper, Stefan Diggs, Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas. And that's mm. it. No more no more changes. Yeah, I would receivers where I have a, some bones to pick. I'd get Cooper out of there. I probably would have kept Odell in. I might put Allen Robinson in, in there too. 
I don't know who I would have to take it. Maybe then I take out Evans at that point. Um, Cooper's a great player, you know, but I think you can be a great player and, and not a superstar. Like I, I get that. Oh, his route running this and that and the other. Like to me, he is not a. He is. We've. I've seen enough that I feel like I know he is. He is not that level. Stefan Diggs, Devonte Adams, or hmm. even maybe a, a peak Mike Evans. I. I don't think Amari Cooper's quite quite there. Yeah, it's it's that it's the question of what level do we take production into what makes a superstar right um because there's that you know he plays in dallas right amari's the number one receiver on a loaded roster uh but you could say the same argument for the super bowl champion and and, and mike evans um but it is zero sum and somebody's, never top, he's somebody's never top 1200 go. yards i mean he's been in the league it's it's horrible to be picking mm. on such a great player, and there are reasons for all of this. But he's been in the league for seven years, and he hasn't topped twelve hundred yards. It's like I don't know. Did DJ Moore top twelve hundred yards last year? I, he might have. Uh, You're making me think that the copy might have to shift on this one. I, I struggle with that. Yeah, playing without Dak for most of the last season, he still went for ninety-two for eleven fourteen. He's great. Five. He's great at uh, football, but this is an exclusive club. Yeah. Okay, and just and just so you know, I did struggle with this because we are in, enjoying an incredible boom at this position. Uh, you could make a case for you mentioned Allen Robinson, uh, Calvin Ridley. I thought about Justin Jefferson mm. uh, coming off that rookie year. DJ yeah. Metcalf. These are a lot of guys, and and it makes you think: Do I need to relax the zero sum rule and and put more wide receivers in? I don't know. I I can't decide. It's hard. There's 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 a real case for DK, uh, I, I think as well. Um, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have fought you that. with DK. Should I relax? Should I make an exemption because of the no sea uh, change at wide receiver? No, you basically stuck with you. Better have picked the right number of posi- guys at that position <laughs> the first year because you're I think stuck I with it, it forever. Yeah, that's uh, the, club is the club. Yeah, yeah, I would. Uh, I All would. right. Fair enough. Uh, finally, uh, tight end. I haven't even written about tight end in recent years because there's just not enough guys, um, <laughs> which is kind of weird because there's so many hyper-athletic playmakers coming out of the college game every year. You would think there would be more uh, guys. There would be like a um, Kyle Pitts coming into the league every year. And, and in some ways, there is. There's always some tight end people are over the moon about, although Pitts, of course, a level of hype that we haven't seen um really ever in my memory uh, at, at tight end. But anyway, uh, Darren Waller is a superstar for me now. He's set career highs across the board, and I, I know he's not the all-around player that Travis Kelsey or, or George Kittle is, but I think there's just something to be said for a guy that plays tight end and can line up on the outside and beat cornerbacks uh, down the down the field and and make plays over the middle and be uh, the security blanket that he was for Derek Carr. He was, if you look at his last five games last season, uncoverable. Um, and he's a really nice success story, a guy that overcame personal problems and addiction to become, uh, to me, a superstar at tight end. So it's a three-man field. I took out Gronk, no disrespect to Gronk, but came out of retirement. Last season, he was very good, uh, especially for somebody who hadn't played football in almost two years. Uh, but he's certainly not the game plan shredding force of nature he was in his younger years before all the injuries caught up to him. But uh, there you go. It's a three-man crew, Kelsey Kittle-Waller. You had to make that move. And that's even as someone who think, thinks Gronk's 
2020 was a little underrated. I mean, he ended up playing more snaps than almost any tight end in the league coming off that back injury. If you count the playoffs, I think he was number two in snaps. Like, he, he was on the field. He helped them. But he's he's not Darren Waller. At the, I mean, in terms of a difference maker right now, no way. Yeah, it's those three and everybody else. It's, it's clear and obvious, including Gronk. And it's funny, like, you know how easy it is to get sucked up by things this time of year. It's like, should I just... Get get fun, get cute, and put Kyle Pitts in, and just ride the <laughs> ride the wave, and just hope everyone that that knows more than me about the college game is right that this guy is a, you know, put him in Canton uh, in twenty years type talent. But no, the, the, the superstar club, everything is earned. Uh, so go fill up the water cooler, kid. I mean, your because your clientele is not just the the. Um... I don't know. Is the public ever allowed into the superstar club? I guess not. Your clientele no. are the superstars. I think you would have some upset superstars, you know, Justin Jefferson or some of these young players who aren't in, and they're like, what, you just gave it to a rookie and uh, we can't even get in? Or the ones that have really had to earn their spots are Nick Chubbs. Like, what, you just give this guy a free pass? So you might have some upset superstars. If yeah, I won't do that. That's a good call. That's a good point. I didn't really consider it that way, but you're absolutely true. So the only thing, and thank you, boys, for this. Um, <laughs> the only thing that I'm really hung up on, I kind of think, and I'm leaning towards Jefferson, uh, but Ridley, Robinson, and Metcalf all make sense, too. Oof, Maybe Robinson. putting one of those dudes in and taking out Cooper. Uh, who would you, if I gave you those four uh, players, Jefferson, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, and DJ Metcalf, who would get in Oof. over Amari? I can only give, I can't, I can't take anybody else out. It just wouldn't make any sense. It would defeat the entire exercise. I only have room for one. That is tough. What yeah, do you go, Clavon? It, it, it's really hard. I, I would, I would make the DK argument. Um, he, he meets the, the external qualities of a superstar and he's, he's got all the production. Um, the plays, the splash, uh, the ability. I think if, I'm, if it has I think I'm with Claybon. I think it's. I think of those three, it's DK. I think Robinson has the best resume and deserves it. Um, but DK's got that uh, je ne sais quoi, and he is a superstar. And Jefferson deserves it too. But at least DK's you know been in the league an extra year there and made that leap. I think I DK think would be my pick. The irony with Allen Robinson is the very reason what makes the case for him being a superstar that he does it without good quarterback play yes. ultimately is keeping him out because y- you imagine there's a better version of him potentially if he ever has a real quarterback and maybe now he does with Justin Fields uh, but he kind of lives in this like football purgatory because of the Bears middling ways in recent years uh, right. so I really struggle with, I want to kind of give him uh, some type of honor uh, for putting up with all this madness and, and nonsense in Chicago and maybe you throw him <laughs> in the superstar club and Maybe he sees it just like uh, Al Baker saw that and he sits on his porch at his condo and looks out at the sea and a tear goes down his cheek. Maybe. I don't know. I I can't say whether or not that would happen. Uh, But ultimately, yes. Okay. If you guys both say Metcalf, he's going in. Cooper's coming out. I'm going to adjust the copy. He's got the sizzle. Uh, I mean, the Superstar Club is not all about production either. Jefferson's got a lot of sizzle. Great personality. DK's got the sizzle. I'm sorry, uh, Allen Robinson fans. All right. There you go. That's it, the 2021 Superstar Club. Also a superstar, Al Bubba Baker. How about that? Joining us, surprise appearance. You should have seen Greg's face. Oh, my goodness. I was very, very surprised. It was awesome. (laughs) Uh, Thank you. Uh, I don't know whether to call him Al or Bubba. Um, I got to be completely honest, and this really does play into... 
the whole conversation. I mean, if if the sack was a a stat that was kept back then, everyone knows he's a household name, and yep. uh, I would know whether he goes by Al or Bubba. But he predates me. His that season was a couple years before I was born. Um, you guys as well. So uh, I'm glad that he's getting some pop out of this. And hopefully, if the football cognoscenti, I will say this, Ricky, jump in a second. If the football cognoscenti is paying attention to our podcast, uh, there's some news in that little uh, interview. Uh, and maybe Ricky, you could tell our own NFL desk about that, and 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 Al can get some pop. Uh, off this pod. That'd be nice too. Yeah, I think this is going to be great for him. He was so sweet. Hard guy not to root for. Right? Super nice dude. Okay, good yeah. stuff. Patrick, you are... Uh, well, you said it all. Start there. Second of all, uh, you came in on short notice. You're wearing a tie, which means you have real work to do right after this. So like we right thank now, you so actually. much <laughs> for pinch hitting. And uh, you're the man. Thank you, bud. Oh, thanks, Dan. Uh, thanks, thanks, Patrick. Get yeah, well soon, we'll Mark. Get well soon, Mark Sessler. Uh, our schedule, we're off the rest of the week. We'll be back nearly full tel- tilt starting next week. We'll have a show Monday. We'll have a show Thursday. And then the network shows back Friday. So hang tight. Uh, thank you uh, for riding with us all these years. And we're going to keep riding going forward like Bubba Baker, riding right through an offensive line and destroying everything in his past. Until Monday. Heat the call.